I'll tell you, Shirley Jackson, what a great president you are. We, we, we think you are the best president in the entire Division Three. Twitter may not agree uh, right now, uh, but hey, at least we're getting the parents to a game. Uh, our friend uh, Greg Thomas, uh, I, I didn't ask him if I could uh, share this uh, joke, but uh, I, I think it's appropriate. Uh, RPI is having a PG-13 senior day. And what do I mean that, by that? If you're under the age of 13, unfortunately, you can't attend. Yes. Really? Really. Well... You have to get the vaccination, and obviously under 13 aren't getting vaccinated yet. Uh, you mm. have to show a negative COVID test. You have to pre-register. You have to mask. You'll be on the visitor side of the field. Uh, and I, I'm not sure if you have to do the hokey pokey and turn yourself around, because that's what it's all about right now over at RPI. Yeah. Kind of but controlling everybody. The one positive is that the almost 50 seniors um because it's a combination of fifth year and you know technical you know senior year guys who may or may not come back um for another season thankfully they did the right thing for them uh, especially for the guys who are going to graduate to uh to you know be able to show them out with with some class and some respect instead of just you know the, this uh, ridiculous rule that they've been enforcing for the last six seven weeks and i, I yeah i was Really honest, I mean, I, obviously we'll talk about the Hobart RPI game. Um, I was just talking with some Hobart parents recently. Thank goodness that the game's in Geneva, because uh, <laughs> at least they can, everyone can go see it. It's going to be one of the better matchups of this weekend. So we'll have more on that in a little bit. I, the one thing that sort of uh, made me cringe when I read the release yesterday over at RPI is kind of the self-serving wording of it and this is the only game right. that this is going to be allowed one game per sport basically because as somebody said in our twitter feed apparently covid does not like division one football and pro football and is just hanging around division three stadiums waiting for division three uh fans to come in that must be what's going on here and if Probably. shirley jackson has figured that out to that degree and she's willing to just let one game go by where that risk is uh prevalent then uh, i applaud her that is great science right there Woo! thank you shirley jackson well, RPI, uh, parents at least, and uh, older family members, you get four family members. Uh, at least we got you this far, and hopefully... Hey, is there anything in the release about uh, bathrooms? Are they going to lock those, or are the, or are the bathrooms open for when? They, I, I couldn't resist, sorry. <laughs> yeah, let me just say, who the hell knows? But I know that this is season 14... And maybe the last at this pace. So we Let me know put something in this coffee to get through this one. Okay. Of In the Huddle. Might be recreating that tube photo uh, this uh, Saturday. Uh, as uh, we had stated, 
Yeah, the plans have not changed. I love it. <laughs> the plans have not changed for my travel. I am traveling down to uh, Johns Hopkins at Susquehanna, uh, and then uh, yeah, it's at Susquehanna at Muhlenberg. But I've got Susquehanna on the mind. There's a reason for yeah. that. You'll see why. Yeah, I was going to say. It's like... Yeah. Johns Hopkins at Muhlenberg. Can't cut that. We're live. And then uh, tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to be covering... Are we going to get through this show? Right. We're yeah. going to be covering mm. Merchant Marine hosting MIT at noon. And then I'll cover the second half of Gallaudet at uh, SUNY Maritime, New York Maritime, or just Maritime coming up on our slides later on as we do predictions on this show. We are live. Uh, we are doing Week 7 Preview here. And uh, JB, uh, before we talk about the uh, big news yesterday, besides RPI, uh, give us kind of the view of what to watch for here initially in week seven from the 30,000 foot JB view. Yeah, for the 30,000 foot view, I'd say, you know, there's a few games that are going to get some national attention like Whitewater at Oshkosh. Um, but there's going to be some other interesting games that will have ultimately uh, some effects on the playoff picture. Like Del Val is going to FDU Forum. Uh, Greg Thomas, our friend at D3Football.com, wrote about uh, some of the different Pool C games that are going to be happening over the next few weeks. So if you haven't checked that article out, uh, look it up. And, and, and you know, Harden-Simmons at ETBU could be an interesting game because Harden-Simmons basically needs to win out to keep themselves alive for a potential playoff berth. Hopkins-Muhlenberg. Great matchup. Even Ithaca at St. Lawrence. I mean, all the way up in the North Country, the Saints have been uh, dangerous this season. It's a long road trip for Ithaca. And then, um, you know, kind of elsewhere, the the Birmingham Southern center game, Frank, is is an interesting one to me because Birmingham Southern has looked so dominant. Um, but center has that ability to, to put up a lot of points. They have an experienced defense. And we saw a lot of crazy games and the SAA back in the spring, but so far we haven't really seen that this fall. So I'm kind of like, I'm kind of waiting. Like when is the, when's the one point, you know, you know, game going to come up here, but so far the, um, <laughs> Birmingham has just been rolling over people. One of the best defenses in the country and one of the best offenses too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's been interesting uh, that it has not turned into what we thought it would necessarily. I guess we should have known Birmingham Southern with Chris Shuford uh, back uh, as running back would have been a, a good team, one that would have been rolling here. I think the uh, situation was maybe a little bit too much insistence that Barry was going to be back and uh, defending their spring yeah. title well. Center uh, didn't look so hot last week against Trinity, that's for sure. It looks like it's a Trinity-Birmingham no. Southern uh, showdown coming up here, but they do have hurdles to get through, and we will predict uh, the Birmingham Southern game at the very least. Uh, didn't uh, look yeah. to see... Trinity. That's a Region 3 game. Uh, you know what else is a Region 3 game now, one that you were mentioning? Harden-Simmons, ETBU. Uh, that's not Region yes. 6 anymore. They finally they finally got with the program, or at least or made, whatever decision that had been made was finally made official or something. Because we had been talking about the ASC ending up in Region 3 since before the beginning of this season. It sounds like the football championship committee agreed, but it waited until week seven to announce so what, it. what they did was they moved region uh, the ASC from region six to region three and moved the pack, which was what the pack USA South 
SAA and uh, ODAC. So basically the PAC and South, South, South uh, as the uh, old Region 3. Well, the PAC finally goes to a northern-based region, uh, yep. which, remember, in the old days, they were, the PAC was what? A southern uh, region? South, south region. region. Yep. So yeah. they're finally getting put where they should be, up north. Uh, they're going to be with the NJAC, the Liberty League, the Empire 8 uh, in Region 2 in the, in the Centennial, Centennial Conference. Who uh, returns yeah. to action. And now for corrections, errors, and omissions with JB. Go ahead. Ah, uh, yes. So I had made a, a bit of a, a misstatement the other day about not remembering um, conferences taking entire weeks off together. Well, apparently the Centennial Conference has been doing that since about uh, 2011, according to uh, one of our fans. So nice catch there. Uh, appreciate that. I can't say that you know, I haven't heard from any ASC fans, so that at least maybe I'm half right. But uh, yeah, I guess conferences doing the full on week off is a is has been a thing. I just I just missed the memo. <laughs> you don't hear from ASC fans because they don't like you anymore after all your calls uh, against Harden Simmons and everything else you've said about yeah. them. I think that, I think maybe. that's what's happened here. Uh, just kidding. Uh, the ASC, uh, we love you, and hopefully you love us. Hopefully, uh, let's look at uh, some uh, games to watch here. And uh, you mentioned some of them, but let's go a little bit, a little bit more into detail as to why you want to watch them and what their implications are. Uh, I'll start here in Region One since I'm attending two of these games. I might as well tell you why. MIT yeah. at Merchant Marine. Brian Bubna's team is two and two. However, the two losses are to Salve Regina and to Catholic mm. and by five and ten points. So now wow. that we have seen Catholic and we know Salve obviously ran into Buzzsaw Western New England, but uh, you know they're still a very good team. MIT losing by only those figures. And then remember Merchant Marine only won by three points against WPI a couple weeks ago. So any given Saturday, th this game could be a challenging game. Do I think that Merchant Marine doesn't win it? We'll find out later. Uh, but if they move to 6-0, it's their best start since 1968. Wow. Yeah. Gallaudet at SUNY Maritime. That is a big-time ECFC battle, and they are in need of some, quote, big-time battles because they start their conference play late. And this is one that will help set the tone. There are about four teams right now that I would sort of look at uh, as possibilities right now to win the ECFC. Remember, they're not a large conference. So I believe, what, six teams uh, in that conference officially yeah. now? So uh, they need a game like this to begin to uh, have the thing take shape. But Gallaudet is undefeated coming in. They started late, no doubt. But uh, this is something we get to measure what the teams are a little bit in the ECFC. And Endicott versus Huss, and uh, another one of those games we were talking about uh, earlier in the week, uh, I, I, the CCC, we, we think of it's a three-team race, but Husson still has a lot to say about that. With Endicott going up to yeah. Husson, that's always a challenge on the road up in Maine. And so we'll see if uh, Endicott gets tripped up there. If they do, remember, we've got a wide-open race then in the CCC still to come if Endicott were to get tripped up there and Husson suddenly is uh, sitting pretty in that situation. 
So there's those games. Uh, I will let you take uh, Region 2 as we're beginning to watch to see how the Centennial Conference develops here. Well, real quick too, Frank, I think in the ECFC there's actually seven teams. I'm not sure if Keystone would be considered playoff eligible being such a new program. So six, one half dozen of the other, irrespective of that. Region 2, a couple of Friday night games, which is great. They're going to have a national audience with Gettysburg uh, at Susquehanna. And a big sort of uh, top 25 matchup between Johns Hopkins versus Muhlenberg. Um, can the, the Blue Jays, with the number one offense in the country right now, in the nation, uh, get slowed down by the, the Mules, who really need a win to stay alive to, to potentially defend their 2019 Centennial Conference title. Should be a great matchup there in, um, in Pennsylvania. And, and, I mean, you know. Offense, defense, Coach Milne's going to be cooking up something. It should be a, a great, great matchup. Um, and then, hey, Coach, uh, Co both Coach Milne's and uh, Bob Nizalamaner is hosting RPI. Uh, RPI is rated, I think, either 23rd or 25th in the ACFC, uh, ACFA poll. Is that how you say it? <laughs> American <laughs> coaches. Uh, football. Oh, L AFCA. Yeah. Live AFCA. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Give this guy the hook. Uh, so that should be another great matchup. These are old rivals, and this is a game that um, either could have an impact on the Liberty League Championship. It could have an impact on Pool C. You know, we'll, have to, we'll have to wait and, and uh, see how that one plan pans out. And then uh, in the evening, um, a really interesting Empire 8 matchup, Frank. Utica is going to Brockport. I think that's a 6 p.m. kickoff under the lights. Uh, one of the few later games in, in uh, Region 2. And that's always a great matchup between these two schools. I know Coach Fagiano and company, um, you know, they, they still have their you know, sights and hopes set on uh, potentially claiming that E8 crown. To play a little spoiler, potentially. A little uh, technical glitch there, but uh, we got most of what you said at the very end there. Uh, you know, we have a guest. Uh, I saw our guest was in the wings, and uh, they may have just turned their camera off in the meantime. So we'll see. Uh, we want to bring in the guest at this point because uh, they represent one of the Region 2 games that you were talking about uh, in mm -hmm. that list. So we'll see. I think uh, we have resolved our transmission feed issues. How's that for uh, transmission some, uh, feed issues? That's, nothing that's a fancy... whatsoever. And uh, yeah. let's bring in Michael Roosh, senior quarterback from Susquehanna. Uh, Susquehanna facing Gettysburg tonight at, I believe, 6 o'clock. So we appreciate the short notice uh, and, uh, you know, quick duration between uh, now and the game uh, type of situation for him to join us. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Uh, we're uh, doing great. We're doing a live show here. You are our first ever live player guest. So I don't know if that should strike horror in your uh, head or if it, it should be exciting. It's going to be one or the other here. But uh, we did want to talk to you a little bit about the Centennial Conferences uh, getting back to action here after the week off that JB didn't realize they've done for a decade. But hey, hey we can't be perfect here. Uh, you are uh, sure not perfect, but you've been having a great season so far. And uh, Susquehanna is going to have some input, it looks like, in the Centennial Conference race. First, let's talk about Gettysburg uh, and uh, what's coming up in front of you tonight. Uh, kind of for the guys that had to pick this game later on, what, what should we, we be watching for in this Gettysburg game? Um, I mean, it's just another game for us. Uh, we try to go 1-0 every single week, so we've just been executing the game plan all week in practice and uh, looking to... Put on a show tonight. 
Well, Frank said something about, uh, you know, perfection earlier. And uh, it, based on my math, you guys have the second longest uh, win streak in, in the country just behind the defending national champions. You guys have won 13 games in a row, I believe, dating back to 2019. And I, and I have a feeling that that 2019 season is something that's helping motivate you guys. I didn't see anything on uh, either shoulder, but I imagine there's an imaginary chip of some kind that the, um, that the Riverhawks feel like guys kind of got left out of the playoffs in 2019. You were a good enough team to play at that national level. Is, is 2021 sort of a, a potential statement season for you guys? Yeah, we, we've been thinking about that for the past two years, having this off season with COVID too. Uh, so it's been on our mind, definitely. And like I said before, every week just got to go 1-0, and uh, that's, that's our biggest goal. Mike, take us through the season so far. I mean, uh, for you uh, being the leader here on offense, uh, you know, talk, tell us about some of the weapons uh, that you've been utilizing and why things have been clicking so well for you. Uh, yeah, all, all the wide receivers have been doing great. And a uh, huge shout-out to my offensive line, uh, making me feel so comfortable in the pocket. They've been doing a great job so far this season. And uh, Coach Park with the game plans has been on point this year. And uh, the wide receivers have been making plays. Our tight end, Michael Fever, uh, D3 player of the week uh, two weeks ago. Uh, he, he's been great. Lights out. You know, Frank, I have a funny feeling that aside from you know the offensive line liking, liking this guy a lot, he must be a really popular player with his receivers because it looks like eight or nine different guys have caught at least one touchdown from from Michael this season. Uh, I love the name of your your leading receiver, uh, Kyle Good. I mean, it's good. <laughs> Four touchdowns, uh, two hundred twenty nine yards. Um, tell us a little bit about the you know what are you guys one of sort of the spread offense where you really just like to try to you know, open up the field and, and look for the mismatches and, and try to, you know, attack in that way? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I would say we're trying to get uh, our playmakers with the ball in open spaces. That's that's basically it. And so I, I want to go back to one game, though. Uh, we don't like to bring up the bad games or the not-so-hot games because you don't have a bad game technically. You're undefeated. Uh, but uh, – the Franklin and Marshall game, your efficiency was down. The score very tight. What was it, thirty to twenty-eight? Uh, and uh, you eke that one out. And uh, I, I think we uh, did a uh, long uh, review of that game with that five overtime situation. But how did we get there in the first place? Uh, because not many people expected Susquehanna to face an overtime situation against Franklin and Marshall. What did you guys learn from the adversity in that game? that's being helpful since that point? Um, I think it came down to not executing in the first half and even in some of the second half. And um, it, it really brought us all together that game, playing five overtimes. I've, I've never done that in my life. And um, it really made us all closer as a team, honestly. And it was a good wake-up call for us, definitely. Was it a was it a bit of a learning experience for you, Michael? Because I know for me, I, I mean, I I'd kind of heard of the, the rule change, but I wasn't really familiar with it um, to be honest. And then when I saw the thing, there's like two points and two points and two points. It's a totally different format than what the traditional or at least the old school kind of college overtime rules were. Um, I imagine your coaches had you guys prepared for this just in case. But what was it like to like? Okay, here we go. We're just gonna keep going for two until we win this thing. 
Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know that was the new rule. So we were all learning as we were going. Um, it was a great time. I, I like the new rule. It's It was a great time. Yeah. Yeah, it felt like the referees weren't exactly sure themselves at certain <laughs> points, too, because there were some unnatural breaks in the uh, late action of that game. But yeah. I think everybody now knows across the country, or at least most of the country in Division Three, what the new rule is. So we, we helped lend uh, to that, uh, you guys, and we, uh, when we had to sit here and explain it to everybody for about three hours. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, Susquehanna is a team, I, you don't know this, uh, in the old days, we used to be a Liberty League show only uh, when we were doing only audio back in the uh, old days when you were uh, a young buck of probably like 10 years <laughs> old. Uh, but uh, back then, at, for a year or two, I think two years actually, Susquehanna was in the yep. Liberty League and then shifted eventually to the Centennial Conference. You've got to be sitting there, as I tell you that, if you didn't know that history, saying, why in the hell did they put us into the Centennial Conference against all these teams uh, like the Hopkins out there and the uh, Muhlenbergs? And uh, there's every, every week is a challenge. Talk to us about the Centennial Conference here. I mean, is this as strong a conference as we think it is? Because some people are not giving the conference the respect they think or some people think it deserves. Talk to us about the Centennial. Yeah, I definitely think the Centennial deserves a lot of credit. Um, no win in the Centennial is easy. Uh, you got to prepare every week like you prepare for the big games like Hopkins and Muhlenberg. So uh, it's a very competitive conference. And uh, like I said before, just take it 1-0 every single week. Yep, well, I mean, 1-0 starts in, uh, let's see, about – Nine hours, give or take, maybe eight. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about what's the um, what's the game day sort of routine for the Riverhawks. I mean, I imagine that maybe there's a team meal, there's a walk to the stadium. Um, you know, parents are probably waving from the from the sidewalk and all that stuff. What's tonight's environment going to be like? Um, it's going to be a little different because we've never played on a Friday night. But uh, yeah, we usually have a team meal a few hours before the game come into the locker room, have uh, positional meetings, go out, warm up a little bit, and then come back in, get dressed, and get ready for the game. Pretty simple. And then uh, add to it in, in the huddle interview uh, on a you know, pregame situation. I, I mean, that must be normal for you guys. Uh, but uh, your uh, team uh, was beginning to give us a little social media chatter that I need to get there for game day live uh, if things continue the way uh, that we think uh, they might here. And uh, we're beginning to, we're waiting to see how things are setting up on the schedule, uh, ultimately. We'll see if we can get it done this season. If not, definitely next year. But uh, we're, we're trying to make it work here, so we'll see what happens. You are a Pennsylvania native uh, from Vo uh, Fogelsville, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, and uh, some folks may wonder why Susquehanna, why why'd you stay uh, local and why that school in particular? Tell us about that uh, journey to Susquehanna. Um, definitely the offense here attracted me and uh, the business school here is great. That was the biggest thing was uh, the school for me. Um, but yeah, the offense was great. All the coaches, I had a great time with them on my visits and uh, yeah, that's what it came down to. All right, Michael, uh, you have the uh, the option as a quarterback to quick kick this one, you know, punt away if, if, if not. But I we've been we've been sort of putting, um, you know, guys on the spot all season because this is, you know, the unprecedented 2020 COVID situation. Um, you're listed as a senior um, and as a business guy, you're going to have to do a little, you know, 
weighing the you know the pros and cons the you know the credits and the debits of potentially coming back for another season because you will have that eligibility is that something you've thought about now or you're just i'm going one to know tonight and then i'll worry about you know all that kind of stuff after this season is over or do you know kind of already like hey you know what i love this team i love this school i'm going to stick around for an extra year um it's definitely been in the back of my mind <clears throat> but uh I'm just focused on this season right now, and uh, I think that's a decision for after the season. Are you currently in? Are you, I'm guessing you're a business major. Uh, are you looking to do a graduate school year uh, MBA degree? Uh, do they offer that even at uh, Susquehanna? Is that even an option for you down the line? Because uh, it is a university, and that for folks that begin to wonder the distinction between colleges and universities. This means that there's, there's probably some post-grad instruction and uh, accreditation available for you. Is that even available, though, uh, the track you'd be looking for? Um, I, I think I would just have to spread out my credits as it is right now. So, um, yeah, like I said, that's a decision for after the season. Yeah, and it, it highlights a challenge I think a lot of uh, student-athletes yep. are facing. Not just the question of wanting to come back, but how do you exactly effectively do it because you may graduate early uh, or then uh, the fifth year and everything else. And so uh, I'm always curious as to how uh, they begin to look at it. JB, uh, I, I think we have one formality left here. Yeah, yeah. Uh Michael, a longstanding tradition on our show has been we like to give our student athlete guests the opportunity to give shout outs to any friends, family members, teammates, et cetera. He's already actually done some shout outs to his offensive line. So he's, you know, he's checking the boxes, Frank. But uh, anybody else that we, we may have forgotten through the course of this conversation, this is your opportunity now. Uh, Michael Roosh from Susquehanna. Uh, well, first of all, shout out my parents. Uh, and second of all, shout out my roommate, Anthony Shikatano, making breakfast right now, uh, cooking up cooking up some eggs on game day. Uh, middle linebacker, Anthony Shikatano. <laughs> Hold on here. Let's bring Anthony into the picture. If he's cooking breakfast, get Anthony over here. I, don't burn the eggs. Please, Anthony. How we doing? <laughs> Anthony, okay. Yeah, all right, so, Anthony. So wait a minute. So we got a 6'4 quarterback. How tall are you, Anthony? Uh, six two, six two linebacker. My God! Uh, guys. <laughs> uh, so yeah, tonight is a one and zero night, Anthony. I mean, give us give us a little defense uh, look here at uh, what we're gonna expect in this game. Uh, yeah, basically same thing Michael said. Just executing our game plan. I think we have a, a good understanding of it this week. Everyone seems to be on the same page on the back end in the box. Um, just stopping the run up front, being good on first and second down, and uh, make them predictable and let our guys in our sub packages do what they do. Uh, make sure you uh, kind of go into the box a little bit uh, more. Everybody wants to see your face there, Anthony. Uh, <laughs> one thing we realized a couple weeks ago I, is that Gettysburg can put up points uh, and uh, can be pretty interesting. So, uh, you know, don't ever underestimate any team in the Centennial Conference is what we've learned. Guys, you are laser-focused, it's pretty clear to me, and so this is going to be a good game tonight. I will be watching the scoreboard from Muhlenberg. Uh, obviously, that Hopkins-Muhlenberg game has some implications in the Centennial Conference, and uh, then we'll look at you guys uh, down the line. want to wish you guys both luck, good luck with those eggs, and uh, enjoy breakfast as we lead up to game time. It's 6 o'clock tonight. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Good luck tonight.
Yeah, I think the uh, I think the defensive game plan, Frank. To you know, since I'm the king of the, the corny jokes, is that they got to be bulletproof, right? <laughs> yeah, I I think that's kind of cute for those that don't uh, recognize what that joke was. Go look at the mascot for Gettysburg. Uh, I'm not going to even belabor that any further. I'm just going to say, let's go to Region Three. JB, take it away. All right. Well, in Region Three, now all of a sudden we're talking about. Texas. So Harden Simmons versus ETBU um, is is a, definitely a highlight game, as we said at the top of the show, just because the Cowboys need to keep winning to stay alive for Pool C bid. And then in the ODAC, uh, Shenandoah uh, is taking on Farum, which would be an interesting matchup. Both teams are been in the mix, you know, some close games, some close calls. Probably one of the more competitive games um, in this region, as far as when I think of, of scoreboard. Um, so, be interesting to see what uh, what Coach Yoder and company can do, and um, and I think we'll just jump it right into Region Four. Go for it! You're doing such a great job. I'll let you have four, and I'll take five <laughs> and right. six. I'll, I'll keep I'll keep rolling here. Um, Ohio Northern is off to a pretty strong start, and they travel to John Carroll in another. Pool C, big implicated implication type of game. If you're a Washington and Jefferson fan, you want Carroll to win this game. Um, it's one of those things I can see it go either way. Ohio Wesleyan's taking on DePauw in the NCAC. That's another uh, big matchup there that could have an impact on their Pool A and or C bid should they potentially have a, a nine and one team there. A um, couple of good ones here in Region Four. Not as many as we would you know normally see, but. You know, I think it's one of those things where we're kind of in their part of conference schedules where you're having sort of the top teams playing a lot of the teams from the bottom. So things will start to heat up near the end of the season, I think. But we'll just have to keep it rolling from there. And Region 5, uh, Lake Forest versus Ripon. We uh, talked to Jim Catanzaro, uh, your replacement, uh, about that game a little bit uh, earlier in the week yes. on Wednesday uh, when My we released the show. <laughs> yes, your replacement. Uh, and uh, he, he said he's ready to go. So, you know, if you'd like to just take mm -hmm. an early retirement, we can offer you some great benefits. But, uh, <laughs> uh, the Battle of Undefeateds in the uh, Midwest Conference and uh, a multi-layered puzzle, as we uh, described, is uh, going to have to be resolved. And uh, this is a big portion of it. Uh, being on the road is going to be a tough one for the Foresters. We'll talk about predictions on that one soon the game of the week I, there's no way around this uh, i had to answer this for quick hits i don't think anybody's gonna be surprised that this was my pick and probably everybody else's maybe uh, gray tries to throw cal lutheran versus chapman a bone uh you know in this whole thing but this is a pool c game this is pool c implications yep. an elimination game for oshkosh there are too many teams that are looking like possible one loss Pool C candidates of strength across the country for Oshkosh to sit there and think that at two losses right now, they are a Pool C candidate of merit. Realistically, here's one thing that went well for them this week. Getting the ASC out of Region 6 means that there are less teams that will block them on the board in Region 6. Yeah. That said, they're going to have probably a team like Lacrosse blocking them uh, because of resume issues that we talked about. So that two-loss lacrosse team is really the one-loss lacrosse team. We got a little bit of that mm -hmm. discussion out from our Wednesday show. So just to recap, two losses, but one is the Grand Valley State of Division Two, 
that will not be considered the same way as a loss to two WIAC teams, for instance. So lacrosse right. as a two-loss team could be considered. Oshkosh, Oshkosh as a two-loss team, probably not. This is an elimination game, or if they win it, it creates real havoc in the WIAC as to what happens from there in both Pool A and Pool C down the line. So stay tuned for that one for sure. Cal Lutheran versus Chapman is a big game with Skyak implications. And, uh, you know, Cal Lutheran has uh, surprised some people in this season so far. Chapman was kind Still of the darling. Yep, the Chapman was kind of the darling coming into the season. But Cal Lutheran may have a lot to say about that. We'll see where that goes yeah. as well. So as I uh, begin to get our screen ready here, uh, before I, we go to our predictions portion of the program, pick me one game here that if you had to, aside from Whitewater Oshkosh, okay, let, let's just throw that one out. What game would you say, okay, I can only one watch one Division Three game this uh, weekend. Which of these games would it be? Well, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of good choices here on this menu. Um, you know, I, I would say probably when you had to boil it down to you know rankings and implications. I mean, if it's not Hopkins Muhlenberg, a game that you're going to, I'd probably have to say Lake Forest versus Ripon because it's a battle of two undefeated teams. And at this point, if we if we carve out the NESCAC side of that equation because they're not going to participate in the playoffs, there's only 25 undefeated teams left in the country um, out of 239. Um, so that's makes a pretty big deal. And as coach cat mentioned in, in the show um, earlier this week, uh, very different sort of offensive game plan now for the, for the Hawks. It should be a totally different uh, style of game than we saw in the spring. And, and um, you know, the foresters have been on a roll. So I maybe go with that one. I think you've got something there. Uh, part of me would like to see a Hardin-Simmons ETBU up close and personal because yeah. ETBU, so that team that we're, we're just waiting for ETBU, though, to do something to deliver to us one of those big upsets we expected them to probably uh, help create havoc in the ASC or something along those lines. Uh, you yeah. know, Hardin-Simmons has to stay perfect here. And so if you're a team like Oshkosh and you end up losing this weekend, let's say, uh, which I know they don't want to hear, but if that were to happen, getting Harden-Simmons out of the one-loss column would be huge at that point because that's one of those yeah. quality one-loss teams I was citing that there's too many of them uh, ultimately. So a lot to watch there. Uh, that Harden-Simmons ETBU game could be, at ETBU, a very interesting one to watch as well. And then uh, we've got games I'm going to. Uh, we've got them in the lineup here. Uh, JB, I, I know you're a little taller than me, uh, but uh, you might want to uh, kind of shrink down a little bit here because your head is almost blocking your uh, big win-loss record right now that I really don't want to talk about. Yeah. But since your head's in it, I have to sort of talk about it. Um, 36 and 23 for me, 44 and 15 for you. So that means we just throw in another extra game uh, to predict here. We'll have to be a little bit faster about how we're doing these things. And, uh, you know, I, I'm okay with this. I, I am great for the comeback. This has been the season of the comeback in crunch time. Uh, we can make this a crunch time type moment. And at the end of the season, we can do all the replays on this and everything else and uh, commentate how great my comeback was. By the way, for those watching live, 
if you've got any questions uh, while we're doing this uh, for the next 12 or 11 minutes, I guess we have on the clock, uh, send us tweets right now at D3FB Huddle, at Frank Rossi. And uh, t- we'll answer your questions at the end of the show. I, we probably have one or two uh, pending out there. So we'll uh, do that after these predictions. So send it right now at D3FB Huddle or at Frank Rossi if you're watching a live show on Friday morning. Having said that, we've got our music ready. We've got our game ready. We've got a clock that's ready to begin. Are you ready? Whew. I hope so. We'll see. <laughs> well, too late if you're not. It's MIT at USMMA in the new Mac Region 1. Oh, geez. I don't want to pick against Coach Bubna. Um, and I don't want to kid, you know, pick against Coach Shoop. It's like trying to pick your favorite kid. Um, but I do feel like something special is happening in Kings Point. Um, Ian Blankenship, I think, is going to be the difference maker in this one it's going to be another close call could be another goal line stand or field goal type of game i think a little lower scoring perhaps i'll take the mariners to hang on 27 to 24 you know what the exact same score is going to pick to be honest with you i think the same thing you're saying i my prelude earlier about this game was a little bit i think interesting that you know you look at the losses mit has they aren't horrible losses the way that they lost five and ten no. points against teams that are very good collectively uh, one loss yeah. uh, between those or two losses between those teams right now so that should tell you a lot about mit uh, and merchant marine can't look past this team it's going to be 27 24 as you said in favor of merchant marine uh, we got a lesson uh, yesterday from our friend Sam Atkinson at uh, Gallaudet uh, the U is completely silent and so when we pronounce it it's Gallaudet school a national school of the deaf uh so that uh we uh, get that right for this weekend so sam thank you for the info yeah. yesterday and good talking to him uh the sid over there um, suny maritime is hosting this game i'm gonna give the edge to maritime mickey rearing's uh gang i think are pretty good at home generally uh, and so I, I think this is gonna be a good game don't get me wrong but i'm gonna give the slight edge to maritime and then Gallaudet can tell me uh, how wrong I was uh, tomorrow if uh, they end up pulling it out because I'll be there for the second half. Maritime in a 20-17 win. Well, Gallaudet, as if I'm saying that right, the Bison have only played three games, um, and here we are, their fourth game going into week seven, so it should be well rested. (laughs) I think the... I think the Bison's offense, though, is going to wear down uh, the Privateers a little bit later, and they'll they'll walk away with kind of a upset on the road, I guess you could say. I'll take the Bison 35 to 21. Wow, a little higher scoring than I thought. And kind of Husson, go. Uh, goals, I think uh, they'll win big, uh, kind of like they did last week, even though it might start off slow. Goals win in the end 42 to 21. Got to like Ingrafia, the uh, quarterback that this, they've seemed to land on over there. He's been uh, putting up some good numbers and consistency now. So that was my big question mark about them last week going into that game. Uh, he made that question mark into an exclamation point, ultimately. Uh, I will say Endicott wins 35-21. And let's move over to Region 2, Gettysburg at Susquehanna. And... Uh, I, I can't see how Susquehanna drops this game. Those guys were laser-focused, thanks to Mike and 
to Anthony, uh, who's uh, making breakfast. Uh, if you just joined us, go back and watch the replay later of our live interview with uh, Michael Roosh, quarterback, uh, senior quarterback at Susquehanna. They are laser focused. Um, I, you know, it's not just because they want the attention that they want us out there. They believe in their season right now. And so I will say they win a somewhat a high-scoring game, uh, higher than probably some will think uh, Susquehanna should allow. But I think the Friday Night Lights situation maybe changes the feel of this game a little. 31-26 in favor of Susquehanna. Well, I don't think this game is going to be that close. I mean, Gettysburg is still in the process of turning things around. Um, and this is a Susquehanna team that put up 62 points two weeks ago. They're going to be coming off the bye, locked and loaded. I think they win this game 70-21. to 21. Staying in the Centennial Region 2, Johns Hopkins at Muhlenberg. Go for it. I think the Hopkins offense is just too explosive um, and – I think uh, Ryan Stevens, our quarterback, has got some of the best numbers in the country. Um, I will go with the Blue Jays in this one. Uh, it's going to be a tight game early, but the hot pulls away late, wins it 42-31. to 31. This was the game I was tempted to pick as my upset uh, in the top 25 on uh, quick hits, and I did not end up doing it because I just I agree with you that under the lights is going to be very tough here uh, for Muhlenberg to beat a Johns Hopkins team that has played night games somewhat uh, frequently through the uh, last few years and is just yep. a team that is a freight train, I think I called them, in quick hits uh, and something else that was uh, I wrote about. So Hopkins wins the game. Uh, Stevens and company uh, put up a lot of yards, a lot of points. 41-24. Uh, here's your game coming up. RPI Hobart. I got RPI red on. I think it's RPI's okay. day. Uh, they'll have parents in the stands, even though it's the away game. That's important uh, here. Uh, so thanks to Hobart for that. And uh, the engineers have played a meaty schedule. Granted, they have not faced Ithaca or the triumvirate of other teams in the Liberty League that we've been watching here. It's an elimination game for Hobart. I get that as well because they're one loss and if they were... 9-1, maybe they get Pool C consideration if they're not Pool A, where are they at that point? But I think RPI gets the edge here in double overtime, 37-36. Well, Actually, well, yeah, the last hold, time hold, 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 hold. It has to be by two, right, in the second overtime? By two. 37-35, yes. sorry, 37-35. <laughs> My bad. All right. Well, I mean, it almost... We almost required overtime the last time RPI beat Hobart, which was in 2015. They stopped a two-point conversion that Coach Craig called to, to go for the win, um, and they're 0-2 in their last two trips. So I know George Marinopoulos wants to win this game. That's where he made his collegiate debut. Um, but I still feel like there's something about the Boz. Statesmen are 8-0 there, um, and so they haven't lost a game since 2018. So I'm going to go with uh, these guys. 24 to 21. I think it's going to come down to a field goal. It's going to be a close defensive battle. When you say about the Boz, are you talking about the stadium or number one on the roster? Both. Yeah. Okay, just checking. <laughs> Utica at Brockport in the Empire A. Didn't think I'd go to that joke, did you? Uh, go for it. You're first. Um, I think this is a game where maybe Brockport rebounds. Um, 
I think they can put some pressure on on Utica and the way that Utica likes to throw the ball. There could be an interception here or there that, that could be returned for a touchdown possibly. And Brockport always plays great at uh, at home, so I think it's going to be a, a really close game. Um, but I think the defense might make the difference here and edge them a thirty-one to twenty-eight win. Got to score points against Utica to win. Fagiano's crew has uh, been close in a number of games, kept Union close through four yep. quarters. I have no reason to doubt they can pull this off on the road right now with Brockport losing as they did in the uh, second half against Cortland last week. Utica wins this game 31-20. Let's go to Region 3. Harden-Simmons at ETBU. I just can't see ETBU having the horses right now to do it against the Cowboys. Okay, bad, bad pun. Uh, it's not really intended, but it happened. Uh, Harden Simmons, I think, uh, knows the urgency and will win this game. Uh, Kyle Jones, you know, I can't say enough about him still, what he tried to do against Mary Harden Baylor, and so he knows what has to be done here. Harden Simmons wins this game 42 24. I'll also go with the Cowboys, though. They seem to play to the level of their competition. They they are going to scrape by in this one. I think it's going to be a 31-21 to 21 win, but they're, it's going to be close. Region 3, Shenandoah at Ferrum in the Odak. I'll, uh, I'll go with the Hornets. I think, though, they might surprise us. Um, though certainly wouldn't be surprised if Ferrum takes it, but it seems like the Shenandoah team has got a little comeback spoiler in it, so I'll take the, take the Hornets 24-20. to 20. This is tough because Ferrum uh, has uh, looked really good at times uh, this season for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's pick the home team here. Why not? Yeah, you get a little diversity in our picks too. Uh, Ferrum wins with that defense. Uh, 27-17, I think, is going to be the final score. Ferrum over Shenandoah. Ohio yeah. Northern at John Carroll in the OAC. While we are not the big John Carroll, you know, fanboys I guess that a lot of the country seems to be with them in the top 25 right now with two losses I, I Ohio Northern has had one of those seasons where I don't even know how they are a one loss team right now they've had all these close games where they've had to come from behind and everything else this is an elimination game for them let's face it and yeah I think they get eliminated here uh, and John Carroll does win it at home uh, 42 27. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I think the uh, Blue Streaks will win this one. I think it'll be a lower scoring game, though. Um, I think they'll outlast the Polar Bears, let's say 28 to 14. Lake Forest and Ripon. Um, Foresters and a close one. I seem to be picking a lot of the away teams. I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or not, but. Uh, A.J. Jackson with a punt return touchdown might be the difference. So I'll take LFC to uh, win at 35-31. One of my favorite punt return clips ever is that, uh, the away or the opponent's announcer basically saying it's the best uh, you know, you'll ever see. Uh, Illinois College announcer telling us how great those punt returns were. That should tell you how great they really were. And A.J. Jackson's a beast out there. They win this game. Yeah. Uh, 40 230 uh, I think I keep picking 42 so uh, if we see a lot of 40 spots this week I'll probably be in luck 
Whitewater at Oshkosh. Uh, I'm going to add uh, about a 90 seconds onto the clock because we added uh, some games here and we didn't really add to the clock. So I know I'm cheating when I say or do this, but um, you know it, it is what it is. We we make the rules. So uh, I think that that loss, the way it happened last week, uh, it will end up still haunting the um, Oshkosh Titans. I just don't see how you're going to be able to get over that situation against a team like Whitewater that quickly. Yes, you're at home, and I understand why Ak is getting cut off there, so we'll fix that in a second. I, yes, you're at home, but um, I just think Whitewater is a team that has way too much gusto right now. And so, lower scoring... 24-14 Whitewater. I think uh, I think Max Mailer is going to have another four or five touchdown game here. Um, it'll be close early, but... Time out. Myler. 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 I should have known. Okay. Sorry, Max. My bad. 35-21. to 21. And I'm picking the Warhawks to win, so at least I got something right. <laughs> And it's the Sky at game. It's the last game. It didn't uh, copy the right way as we were taking a timeout there. Calvin Lutheran at Chapman. Hit it. Uh, I'm going to go with my uh, my Kingsman from my own neighborhood off the 101 freeway there in Canaio uh, uh, Valley. I think they'll uh, outlast Chapman by the score of 31 to 20. I'll give us some uh, Saturday uh, late afternoon or evening action to watch them because Chapman's going to win this game as the home team. 31. 28. The clock expires. The music expires. I'm about to expire at this pace. Yeah. And uh, JB, fun show as always. Uh, but uh, we want to hear your last views here about week seven and the takeaways that you're looking uh, to have, uh, you know, if things go according to your plan, what's going to be the end result that we'll be talking about next week? Well, um, we didn't see any really crazy upsets in um, week six. It was kind of a blowout city. Um, so hopefully maybe this weekend will provide some more competitive games. Um, there's a few major kind of marquee matchups, which will really define some conference pool A, like championship races that will be resolved in the next couple of weeks. Um, like we've sort of said, there's a lot of teams out there with sort of backloaded schedules. Uh, Susquehanna is one of those teams, and they're, they're going to play um, Hopkins in week nine uh, on Halloween weekend, which is going to be a big weekend kind of across the board. But they need to keep winning games like tonight to sort of tee up those major week nine and 10 matchups. And I guess, Frank, we might have to talk about dusting off the old D3 Blitzer show, um, which uh, we haven't been able to do for a couple of years now with this whole you know COVID thing and everything else. We haven't had our whip around. Let's run around all over the country and see what's going on. And uh, we're I, getting close. We, we, will, we will see uh, how that turns out. Uh, JB, uh, one thing I want to ask you to do, if you can uh, briefly, you, you are a little hoarse today, I noticed. and um, Hoarse, yeah. And so could you explain what's going on there? 
well, this this week I happen to have a couple of uh, live musical performances. Um, one with some friends uh, that I haven't done a, a live show with in over 600 days. Um, there was an event here in town uh, where we performed um, for like the wine and dine crowd. It was very nice, Frank. Um, as you see in Winter Park, we like to uh, wine and dine near Park Avenue. And then last night, I, you know, just because it's Biketoberfest, yeah, uh, that was me on uh, Wednesday night, uh, rocking away on my bass guitar. And then last night, I sang for about three hours in what felt like 90 degree heat um, up in Deland near near Stetson. So. It's been a busy week. I'm actually looking forward to this weekend having nothing on my schedule except sitting down, watching some games, uh, starting with the two we have tonight, and then all the games through Saturday, and just not having any place to go, not having anything to do, just watching some D3 football. Should be great. I, I want to go back to this for a second. I oh, mean, geez. that uh, there's a fan's hand uh, in a certain area uh, that is uh, from d- a distant way, so that folks don't get the wrong yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, JB, that that is posture and stance as a uh, guitarist. I, I, I mean, hold on here, we, we got to zoom in a little bit here. I mean, that's that's just like wow. I I, I, I don't even when, know what to say. That's when you're you're, you're getting into it. You got you, you know you have the rock squat power stance. So you got to really you know establish a, a strong foundation especially when you're the bass guitar player you got to really bring the thunder and so that's what i, w- I was kind of channeling my inner michael anthony or john paul jones with that one i think and um <laughs> it felt good I, you know i play a little bass guitar in the band that i'm in now but i hadn't done it for a full three or whatever hour night in a, in a while so it was it was really fun it was great to see those guys again it's been a long time and and uh we had a blast it was a, it was a really Fun night. Got to be on the road, as you know. Uh, starting later this afternoon, heading down to I keep wanting to say Susquehanna, and it, it, see they they have convoluted they my want you, uh, thought. They yes. want you to be there, Frank. They, you, know, you, saw Michael, uh, Roosh, you saw light up when I brought up the whole Twitter uh, thing from a couple weeks ago. So uh, yeah. it's real. They, they all know what's going on. So uh, it is what it is. We'll, we'll get there eventually, I, I, as I promised. Uh, but Muhlenberg is where I'll be this evening at around 7. Uh, and then, is it 7 or 7.30 uh, I kick off for that one? Uh, check for me real quick as I keep going here. On yeah, Merchant Marine hosting MIT on Saturday noon. And then the second half I'll catch of the SUNY Maritime game hosting Gallaudet. And uh, remember, we'll have Twitter interviews uh, usually within 24 hours after the game, or each game in this case. What time is that? Seven o'clock by the seven o'clock Eastern, by the way. Thank you. Pre- appreciate it. So I don't be late for that. I'll leave here around two thirty, yep. hopefully, and get there plenty of time. Muhlenberg is a place that Union used to play all the time. Uh, I've never seen a night game there, though, to be honest. And this is a huge night game. So when I saw this on the schedule, yeah. or uh, ATN talked about it in their podcast on Monday, I was like this is a can't miss scenario especially with the weather right now is being cooperative in this area this is gonna be a perfect game tonight uh the elements should cooperate watch it rain like the dickens i didn't look at the forecast but no i i think it's supposed to be good weather and uh if you're able to get out there and watch it and enjoy it please do uh this is great under the lights friday night lights uh division three football 
with rankings on both sides of the equation. So that should tell you something right there. Yeah. We'll see you throughout the weekend on Twitter. We'll see you on Facebook on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week and our live show late next week. And we will continue to bring you the coverage you've been asking us for. Thanks for joining us. JB, have a great weekend. I will talk to you, and we'll talk to you soon, folks.